Welcome to Nets Talk Now, Driving Change, a podcast brought to you by the Network of Employers for Traffic Safety. Each month, we bring you engaging conversations with global road safety leaders and innovators, so you too can work to advance road safety for everyone. Welcome to another episode of Nets Talk Now, Driving Change with the Network of Employers for Traffic Safety. I'm Susan Hip, the Executive Director, and I'm excited to have you back here for another episode. We took a little break in December during the holidays, but we are now gearing up the new year and have lots of exciting topics and information to share with you, and today is no different. So as I've mentioned before, NETS does work with a handful of sponsor companies who are fantastic at providing information and resources and products to employers that are looking to advance their fleet safety programs. So today we are fortunate to have with us Alert Driving, one of our sponsors that's been with us for a number of years. And joining us is Jerry Martin, who for the past 25 years has been the CEO of Alert Driving, which by the way is a driver safety focused global technology company. And you can find more information about them and our other sponsors on NET's website, which is trafficsafety.org under our sponsor tab. So Jerry co-founded Alert Driving with his brother back in 1998. And they were the original pioneers of web-based driver safety training. They were among the fortunate ones, though, that survived that dot-com bubble. And if you remember, if you were around then, the the internet was largely an unknown commodity until the late 1990s. So I imagine that most people were hard-pressed to see how a computer and, and something called the internet could help make safer drivers. But under Jerry's leadership, Alert Driving has expanded internationally into more than 125 countries and developed driver safety and risk management applications for 90% of the world's population. So today, Jerry is joining me to discuss his views on how digitalization is going to continue to impact driver safety in the future. And I'm really excited to hear about this topic and to learn more about it because it is ever-changing. Technology is advancing all the time, and we're learning so much. So, Jerry, thank you for being here. I'm sure a lot of people are looking forward to this topic as well to hear more on what you have to say about digitalization. Thank you for having me, Susan. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, thanks again. Let's get rolling right away because I know we have a lot to talk about. So we want to make sure we have enough time to cover all of this um, with your expertise and experience. So it, it what really caught my attention, Jerry, about this today was the title that you came up with for this podcast, which is Zen and the Art of Digital Driver Safety. So interesting title. Tell me a little bit about what that means and, and why did you choose that title? Sure. It's uh, The title is a play on the title of a book. Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, written by Robert Perzik. The book was published in 1974 and featured on bestseller lists for decades. It details two types of personalities, those who are interested mostly in romantic viewpoints focused on being in the moment and those who seek to know details, understand inner workings, and master mechanics based on logical fact-based analysis. In a lot of ways, when I look back at the 25 years that I spent working in the driver safety and risk management category, I've seen the same pattern in which there are individuals and organizations that view driver safety as a checkbox obligation, and there are those that view it as a matter of some importance that can be successfully managed with the right 
focus, effort, and tools. Obviously, anyone that has worked with me knows that I believe driver safety performance is something that can be engineered using technology, which is what I wanted to talk about today. Perhaps more to the point, I wanted to share my thoughts on how the current mega trend of digitalization is going to impact driver safety over the next three to five years. Jerry, that's an interesting term, the, the mega trend. So I'm sure people have heard of that before, mega trend. But can you tell us a little bit more maybe on why you're calling this the current current megatrend of digitalization and expand a little bit as well on what what does digitalization mean to you? Absolutely. Here's how I would unpack this concept. I think in its rawest form, a megatrend is a powerful transformative force that changes or reshapes things like the global economy, the business sector, and our society. The implications of a megatrend are apparent at both a macro and a micro level over an extended period of time. The Industrial Revolution is an example of a megatrend. As we know, it was succeeded by the technological revolution, which is the period that we're living in now. In addition to technology, climate change, demographics, and social change are all current megatrends. Digitalization, which is the use of computers and the internet to do something that otherwise you would do in the analog world, is the main way that the technological revolution manifests itself. Alert driving is a case in point. It digitalized many of the analog activities associated with traditional behind-the-wheel driver training that was the standard, really, at the time prior to 1998. Of course, things have changed so much during my time, and with each passing year, the rate of change is accelerating at an ever-increasing rate. The reality is most people, and certainly especially younger people, are no longer impressed when anything analog is migrated to the digital world. Quite simply, This is what we've all come to expect in almost every facet of our lives. One of the exciting things for me about this change is it has taken on a familiar pattern in many respects. And if you understand the pattern, then I think predicting some of what's coming next becomes a little easier and you can plan for it just a bit better as well. I think that's really interesting, Jerry, especially the part about, you know, younger people Um, never really having seen that analog world because they've only grown up in an environment with all of this technology and all of this digitalization. So I I can see where you're going with this. So I think the next obvious question here is what's next in the sphere of digital driver safety? What are we going to see? Well, to answer that question properly, Susan, I think it's important to share where I believe we are now on the evolutionary curve of driver safety and look at where it started. In the spirit of full disclosure, I'm not a historian. I run a tech company, so my dates could be a little off, but here goes. In the beginning, and by beginning, I mean sometime after we discovered fire and invented the wheel, there were vehicles with no safety features, and the driver safety training industry was in its infancy. For reference, I'm talking more or less prior to 1960. In the next phase, from 1960 to around 1995, the driver training industry was thriving and some basic safety features like seatbelts and daylight running lights were added to vehicles. During this cycle, there was a number of other safety enhancements, both in driver safety training and in vehicle safety, such as the introduction of skid cars and ABS brakes, respectively. In the third phase, after 1995, until just before COVID hit the world, we witnessed the explosion of what I would call first-order digitalization in the driver safety industry. By that, I mean we saw the switchover of a massive number of analog driver safety activities to the web, such things as motor vehicle checks, insurance checks, and driver risk profiling. At the same time, a lot of other unique training innovations like Alert Driving's hazard perception evaluation software, our interactive 
behavioral-based motor mind exercises, and our micro-training lessons were introduced. And of course, the other big development was the globalization of complex digital driver training solutions for large multinational organizations. We also saw a similar explosion of in-vehicle safety developments. This includes everything from adaptive cruise control to blind spot monitoring, lane departure warning, heads-up display, the addition of all kinds of warning sensors, GPS, cameras, front, rear, and side airbags, etc. And of course, we can't forget the autonomous vehicle technology that was developed. Frankly, the list goes on and on. So please don't have to forgive me if I've left out some other really important safety items. This brings us to the current phase that I expect is going to run for roughly the next 10 years or so. So Jerry, not being a historian, I think you did a great job there sharing the the timeline and the history of what we've seen over the past years. And if you can give me a little leeway, that just made me think of a story that I wanted to share um, that I heard from the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. I'm sure you're familiar with them and the crash tests that they do. And it, it made me think of the story they told once that they, um, several years ago, purchased a 1959 Chevy Bel Air. And if you know what that vehicle looks like, it's huge. It's a tank. And, you know, back then, I, I'm not even sure. I'm sure it probably had a seatbelt, but, you know, no airbags, not a lot of safety devices in there, but it was it was a large vehicle. Well, they bought this Chevy Bel Air from a gentleman in Ohio and didn't tell them who they were or what they were going to use it for, put it on the back of a trailer and, and took it back to their facility without telling him what they were doing. They ended up crashing this huge tank of a car into a 2009 Chevy Malibu. And which one do you think won? Of course, the Malibu. It's got airbags in it now. It has seatbelts. It has protection zones for that driver. It didn't crumple. Whereas the driver in the 59 Bel Air, that entire compartment just crumpled and the driver would have been seriously injured, if not possibly even killed in that 40 mile per hour crash. So the, the funny part of the story, though, is the gentleman from Ohio called them up and, and said, how's my baby doing? How's the Bel Air? And he was devastated when he found out they crashed it. But I think he got to come visit at one point. It's it's sitting in the lobby of the Insurance Institute. And you can actually see that vehicle there. But the point is what you were talking about, all of these developments and all of this in-vehicle driver safety and how far we've come with that and with those advancements. And then, you know, you mentioned you think this is where we're, we're going to be going for the next 10 years. So so what happens next then, Jerry? What's 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 after this? I believe we're going to see another equally explosive period, Susan. But this time, I think it's going to concentrate on second order digitalization in the driver safety space. So explain that a little bit. You mentioned the, the first order here. Um, can you give an example then of this, the second order digitalization and how is that aimed at driver safety? What does that mean? All right. I definitely can. Second order digitalization involves connecting a number of related first order digitalization solutions together to form an ecosystem. In many ways, it's very similar to an electric guitarist's signal chain. At the one end of the chain, you have the guitarist and the guitar, and at the other end of the chain, you have an amplifier. And in the middle, you have a number of special effects pedals that enrich the sound of the music. You might have a pedal that affects the dynamics, like a wah-wah pedal. Next, you could also have pedals that modify the tone, such as a chorus pedal, followed by pedals that create extra tone, like a distortion pedal. And you also have pedals that create ambience, like a reverb pedal. When everything's all plugged in together, what you end up with is a very unique, much fuller sounding tone for that guitarist. A second order digital driver safety ecosystem works the same way. For example, instead of a guitarist, now we're talking about a driver. The guitar is replaced with the driver's vehicle. 
the dynamic pedal becomes MVR and insurance checks. The chorus pedal is now the driver's telematics data. Instead of a distortion pedal, there would be a tailored driver training curriculum that is triggered on demand. The reverb pedal could be a reward and recognition program. And instead of an amplifier, all of the different inputs could feed a real-time reporting dashboard, complete with things like driver risk ratings and so on. Jerry, that's a great analogy. I'm going to assume you're a guitar player <laughs> to know all of that information because that makes a lot of sense when you put it that way and how you kind of spell out the the different levels in the order of that. Um, so perfect example. So thank you for sharing that. So to, to that brings me to my next thought here about vendors supplying all of these different services. Do you see one vendor supplying this or could a customer pick and choose what goes into their ecosystem? That's one of the attractive things about a digital driver ecosystem. The customer decides what is included in their ecosystem. At Alert Driving, we describe this approach as a mixed signal driver ecosystem. The ecosystem can be a combination of different driver safety and risk management related solutions from different vendors that all feed one dashboard for reporting purposes. That's what we mean when we say mixed signal. Over time, customers can add other peripheral driver related activities to the ecosystem to eliminate manual work and disparate reporting, which will further reduce costs, add to the big picture and increase overall operating efficiencies. That makes sense. So uh, thank you for clarifying that point. I think that um, really provides a lot of detail on how that would work exactly. So I'm, I'm curious then, why do you think customers are going to embrace this driver ecosystem concept? And along that line, one of the questions we get asked a lot that we talk about a lot with our members is employee buy-in. So if you have customers doing this and um, providing all of this technology and kind of checking in on driver behavior, et cetera, how, how do you address the employee buy-in to all of that? All right. Well, I'm going to leave that part and handle it second. First, I think I want to tackle why I think customers are going to embrace this ecosystem. For me, Susan, there's, there's several reasons. It's not a question of why, but rather when. Digitalization, given it's a mega trend, has forced business leaders to re-image their organizations differently to remain, I think, relevant. In many cases, this will be necessary for their survival. This is where my earlier comment about pattern recognition comes into play. If you understand where the business leaders within your customer base stand on digitalization, and you have a feel for how staked they are in first order digitalization already, then I think you can identify the ones that will be early adopters of second order digitalization projects like a driver ecosystem. Strategically, I think it boils down to three factors for customers. One pertains to competitive advantage. The verdict's already in on digitalization in terms of it lowering operating costs and improving efficiencies. That's why we're seeing such substantial increases in business automation spending in corporate America. It's baked in to many organizations' sustainability reports. I saw where one study found that there was a 25-fold increase in the number of corporate sustainability reports that referenced digitalization as a part of their core strategy compared to 2015. Mixed signal driver ecosystems will offer predictive capabilities that will result in safer drivers, so firms will be better able to control their costs and be more productive. Two is about scale and capabilities. The quality and completeness of the data that a properly designed and integrated driver ecosystem can provide would require a small army of analysts to produce the same info. Once it's set up and running, the driver ecosystem will show up every day for work, rain or shine, no matter what. The third factor is a practical one. 
It relates to how companies are going to be organized and activities coordinated in the future. Digitalization opens up access to more information by more groups within an organization. To ensure all these stakeholders leverage their greater availability of data, a cohesive strategy needs to be designed and implemented to integrate, process, assess, score, and report the data. This is more or less the definition of a mixed signal driver ecosystem. In my opinion, and this might be the most compelling point, Mixed signal driver ecosystems are the precursor to full-blown AI solutions for driver safety. Ultimately, that's where all this is going. There are existing examples of production AI solutions, but nothing compares to what it is going to be like in a few years' time. So I, I think these are the reasons why business is going to gravitate towards these driver ecosystems. Considering the employee reaction, I have a couple of thoughts, and I'm going to draw on the experience that's transpired through COVID. I think business in general has worked really hard to demonstrate to its employee base that they're valued and that they have a voice and that it's a bit of a partnership. The fear might be that these ecosystems represent Big Brother monitoring folks too closely, but I think the first thing I'd like to say is I hope that through the experience that people have witnessed in COVID, they give their employers a chance. They go in with an open mind to these things, and they wait and see what happens. I also think that business is smart. It's going to try and make a balanced approach. They're going to most likely integrate things like I've suggested, reward and recognition programs into these ecosystems. So hopefully it all works out. Another thing to keep in mind is second-order digitalization is going to continue to provide vendors with the opportunity to offer innovative new business models and new products and solutions. Yeah, I'm convinced that the best is yet to come on this front. I completely agree with, with all of that, Jerry. And I think you're exactly right with um, you know talking about the buy-in that the bottom line is we are all here to to keep drivers safe. And this technology can help with that. And as we advance even further, I'm I'm so fascinated to see where this is all going to go. And and I think you're exactly right that the the best is yet to come on this front. Absolutely. So very curious to see what we can do with this in the future and how we can make some some big improvements on driver safety, especially with employers and, and fleet vehicles here. So, uh, Jerry, I believe your your website, I believe, is alertdriving.com, and we can put that in the comments down below this episode. But tell me if there's someone, uh, if somebody wants to learn more specifically about driver ecosystems, how would they go about doing that? Where would they find information? There are some excellent thought-provoking articles and information on the internet about business ecosystems that I encourage folks to research. And if they like, they can contact Mark Andrews via email alert driving. Mark is our Director of Strategic Business Services, and his email address is mark.andrews at alertdriving.com. Perfect. And we can put his email as well in the comments section. So, Jerry, this has been great. Um, again, Jerry Martin, CEO of Alert Driving, a lot of really fantastic information and experience you've shared with us today. So thank you very much for joining us on this episode. Thank you, Susan. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk Now, Driving Change, a network of employers for traffic safety podcast for anyone and everyone who is dedicated to advancing road safety. Be sure to subscribe and tune in each month for new episodes.